Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. You would please stand for the reign of God's word if you're able to. Well, you know what? Some of the things that happen in services like tonight, that just shows that we're human. Amen? And something to, to, to get you to laugh a little bit. You know, sometimes we're too serious. And we just need to enjoy what the Lord's given us. It's good to be able to begin the house of the Lord anyways. Amen? Amen? It's good to be around God's people, around the Word of God, be able to sing the, the songs of God. I praise the Lord for that. And uh, one of the best things we can do sometimes is just laugh at ourselves. And because uh, you usually laugh at me, so it's my turn to laugh at you. Amen? But anyway, <laughs> but the fact is, somebody, as, uh, I think it was Sister Diane, said, said, you did pretty good this morning running around the auditorium. I said, yeah, but you see how hard I was breathing when I got done. Amen? <laughs> She said, well, you hit it pretty good. I said, well, I don't know about that, but anyway. Colossians chapter 2, we'll begin reading verse 1. It says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of fullness assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him." Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sin, uh, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein ye all, wherein also ye are risen with him, through the faith of operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Look back with me in verse six and seven. It says, as ye, have therefore, uh, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Notice what it says, so walk ye in Him. He said, you've received Him. Now live after Him, follow Him, walk after Him. He goes on in verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I'd like to preach the message that I've titled, Our Walk in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and Lord, we ask that you'd meet with us. We need your presence. We need the hand of God in our services. Lord, we are flesh. Lord, we need the hand of God to work in our spirit and to draw us near, draw us close. Lord, if there's any desire to have, Lord, is tonight that we could say something that would help someone or many people 
in their walk with you daily to be strengthened. Lord, that that walk might be a walk that strengthens their life as a testimony for Jesus Christ. Encourage and do what only you can do. Give me the words. Hide me behind a cross. Lord, that they might see Jesus Christ through your word. They might have an understanding of some very simple needs in order to have this walk in Christ. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. I preach the message, as I said, our walk in Christ. I believe that a lot of times we don't realize how important our walk in Jesus Christ is. Sometimes people think that their walk in Christ is merely going to church on Sunday and maybe Wednesday. But there's so much more to the walk with Jesus Christ. It's a daily walk that He wants in your life and in my life, and He desires for us to have that fellowship with Him and, and enjoy the things of God. Too many Christians today, I, f- I feel like, they're, they're not abounding. They're not enjoying being saved. They're miserable in their Christian life. It becomes more of a drudgery to them. It becomes more of a set of rules, you might say. Can I say something here about that? The Christian life is not about a set of rules. It's not about the thou shall nots and thou shalts. But it's about a, a loving relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. And so many Christians today are, are, are not abounding because they don't understand that. They think, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I'm not supposed to do this, and I'm not supposed to do that, and I'm not supposed to say this, and I'm not supposed to wear that, and I'm not supposed to act like that, I'm not supposed to go there. And their whole life is about all the thou shalt nots. And they miss the true walk with Jesus Christ. You say, well, what about all those? Can I tell you that if your walk is right, that all just comes natural. And it's not a struggle. It's, I want to. It becomes part of your, a part of you because you begin to see it as Jesus Christ sees it. And yet today, many Christians struggle with their walk with Jesus Christ. They, 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 at times, it seems like things go well, and then all of a sudden, that walk begins to to become very rough in their life, and they struggle with it. Tonight I want to give you eight things, and they're real simple things. Very simple, and, and I've preached uh, about different ones of them throughout the years. But I put, there's eight things here I'm going to give you tonight. You might want to just write them down. They're real simple. But it's something that if you will, if you will allow your mind to go to these, and if you will keep this in mind in your walk with Christ, I think it will be of a help to you. And so we want to look at this tonight how you can enjoy and get more blessings and enjoy your walk with the Lord. First of all, keep it sweet. Keep it sweet. Tomorrow is our anniversary, Janine and I's anniversary. Uh, she married me when I was really young. <laughs> but our, tomorrow's our anniversary. You know one of the, the keys to uh, a good marriage is keeping it sweet. Keeping it sweet. Tell one another that you love one another. Doing little things for one another and enjoying that, that, that time together. And, and, you know, doing those things that you did when you first met and, and enjoying that sweetness in, the, in that, that relationship. Well, it's the same with our walk in the Lord. We should keep it sweet. You know, I mentioned how people are, are, are drugged down by the thou shall nots and thou shalts and all that. And, and, they, and, and it doesn't, it's not sweet to them. It's not enjoyable to them. 
But my friend, if you'll keep it sweet, it can be enjoyable. The psalmist said in Psalms 104 and verse 34, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Think about that for a minute. My meditation of him shall be sweet. Thinking about the goodness and the sweetness of God. How he's been so precious to us. How that he saved us. And how he loves us. And he says, I will be glad in him. Most people are not glad in the Lord. They are fearful and afraid that God is going to, to, to smite them down or something. We need to meditate on the sweetness of the Lord. How sweet he's been to us. Psalms 119, 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, when you pick up the word of God, it ought to be sweet. It shouldn't be a drudgery. It shouldn't be something that, that sours you. It should be something that is sweet. Meditating daily upon God's goodness, thinking upon the goodness of God. Many Christians, were uh, all they're thinking about is, well, well, God would don't want me to do this, and God don't want me to do that, and this is wrong, and that is wrong. Have you stopped and just meditated about how good God is and how sweet He is to you? About the good things? And so many times we become so negative that we fail to think about the goodness of God. Reading His precious book daily. Do you realize that this is 66 letters of love? 66 letters of love from God where He desires for you to know Him and for Him to share His love with you and to explain Himself to you that you might know Him in a greater way. You can go to, to I could take you and I have, I have letters that, that Janine wrote to me. I've kept them over the years from the time when we were dating and, and yeah, you say, were they love letters? Yeah, they were love letters. Did she keep yours? No, she threw them in the trash. <laughs> but I remember those letters when they would come, how that I would, couldn't wait to open them. And I would read them. And later on, I'd read them again. And later on, I'd read them again. Every once in a while, I, I don't mind if I run across one, pick it up and, and read it again. You know why? Because it's a love letter. It's a letter, the expression of love. This book is an expression of love to you and me. It's a picture whereby we may see our Savior, where we may see Him. When, when Janine and I were dating and we would write one another letters, uh, I, I, I could take that letter and, and, and you know how you do it. Mm. Did she spray it with something? No, it just smelled like the post office. Amen. But, amen. No, but uh, I... I'd take that letter and I could imagine her in my mind saying those things, not just writing them, but saying those things. When you take that, the Word of God, you should look at it and God's speaking to your heart and He's speaking to your mind and He's speaking to you personally, not just somebody else, not just a whole group, but to you personally. And He wants you to read the Word of God that way, that He is talking to you personally. If we'll take the Word of God and if we'll keep it sweet in our hearts and minds and if we'll enjoy it, it'll, it'll help our walk. Brag on Him. Lift Him up. 
Give Him glory. Keep it sweet. Boy, talk about how good He is to you. Talk about the blessings that He's blessed you with. Talk about how that He saved your soul. Talk about how, how precious He is in your life. Brag on Him once in a while. Amen? Amen. Seek Him. Go through the day wanting to talk to Him. And don't allow sin to come between you and the Lord. Don't allow those things to build up in your life. So keep it sweet. Number two, keep it fresh. I've preached on that before about keeping it fresh. One of the things that, again, going back to the relationship with a husband and wife, you've got to keep it fresh. You can't just live off of yesterday. You've got to keep it fresh. Fresh. And Psalms 92.10 says, But my horn shall be exalted like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Don't let your walk grow cold and stale. Don't let it get old and, and just a, a routine in your life. So many times as a Christian, we get settled in and things just become habit and they just become routine. Boy, begin to keep it fresh. Begin to, to allow it to be new into your life and, and enjoyable and, and keep it fresh in your life. And how you do that is by, by uh, 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 looking into the Word of God and, and allowing God to speak to your heart. Revelation, 13, or Revelation 3 and verse 15 and 16 is talking to the church there. He says, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou were cold or hot. He said, listen, I want you to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. The children of Israel gathered manna daily except on the Sabbath, and they gathered enough for that day also, the day before. But it was fresh every day. The Lord sent them manna every day, and it was fresh. If they kept it, it would stale, and it would, it would, uh, it would rot, and worms would come up in that manna. He wanted them to have something fresh every day in their lives. That's why it's important that every day get in the Word of God and keep it fresh in your life. Don't live off of just yesterday's reading. Don't live off of just yesterday's prayer. Don't live off of just yesterday's song in your heart. Hey, keep it fresh. Keep it new in your heart and life. We need to seek the bread from the Lord daily. Walk with Him daily. Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for Wednesday. But have a daily walk with Him. Keep a fresh walk with the Lord. You know, sometimes we all get, you know, we all get busy. And what happens when we get so busy that we don't spend the time with the Lord that day like we ought to, it becomes stale. And we're living off of yesterday. And the things that happened a week ago or something that happened a month ago. You know, it's so easy for uh, a Christian to look back and, and live in yesteryear. Oh, I remember. And it's okay to remember. But you can't live there. Now's the day in which you live. And so what we've got to do, we've got to have a fresh walk with God. We need a fresh revival in America today. We need a fresh moving of God's hand in the services today. We can't live off of last week. We've got to come in here and say, God, I want you to meet with me today. Lord, I want you to speak to my heart today. Lord, I want you to lead me today. I want you to be in control of my life today. And too many times we don't keep it fresh. It becomes stale in our lives. You know what happens to stale things? They get thrown away. They get thrown away. They get set aside. Number three, keep account current. Keep your account current. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? I'm talking about your, your sin account. In 1 John chapter 
uh, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we, we're not just to confess our sins weekly. There's those who, in their religion, that they go to a man and they confess their sin once a week, once a month, or whatever. But as a Christian, what we should do, when we sin, we should immediately ask God to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from that unrighteousness. Keep a short account. It's just too many Christians are, are treating the forgiveness of God like they do their credit card. They take and they don't have the money at the time, so they swipe the credit card and they, it's put on their credit card bill. They go again, they swipe the credit card, it goes on their credit card. They go again, they swipe the credit card, and by the time that the month is ended out and the, the credit card bill comes up, they don't have enough money to cover it all. So what they do, they pay a little bit on it, and it's carried over to the next month. And it, it, there's interest on it. And then they go to the next month the same way and it keeps building and keeps building and keeps building and before long it gets to a point that it's unmanageable. Can I tell you that many times in Christians' lives we let sin go until it's unmanageable. We should go to the Lord at the very time when we have sinned against God and ask for forgiveness and keep a short account of that which we have done. Not just weekly, not just, but go daily. But when we sin immediately, keep that short account. Lamentations 3 and verse 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. An old preacher one time said, just stay fessed up. Stay fessed up. You say, well, fessed up? Yeah, stay fessed up. Confess all the time to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Amen. Keep a short account. Number four, keep it straight. So what do you mean keep it straight? Or walk. We're talking about a walk here. Paul, as he was writing here in Colossians, he, was, he said, I can't be with you, but my spirit is with you. And he said, there's some things that he laid out there that he wanted them to enjoy their walk with God. But the things that he began, if you read that, the things that he laid out for them is that they would walk a straight walk. One that would be honor and glorifying unto God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. He says, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Otherwise, he's saying, to live for the Lord, if you want to walk with the Lord, you're going to have to walk a straight path. Don't be turning to the world and the things of this world. Don't be looking away from God. 
Keep your eyes on the, on the direction that God has for you. Keep your eyes on that mark. Keep your eyes on, we're to press towards that mark, the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We're to keep our eyes on that mark and head that direction, not turning to the right hand, not turning to the left hand, not going after the world, not going after the flesh, not going after what we want, but going after Jesus Christ. Hey, set in your heart and mind, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, no matter where anybody wants to take me, I'm going to stay on the straight path towards Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that this, that in trying to walk a straight path, Satan will try to get you to get off the path. Sometimes it's with family. Sometimes it's with friends. Sometimes it's with work. Sometimes it's with relationships. Sometimes it's with, with money. Sometimes it's, it's with illness. Whatever it might be, many times Satan tries to use things in your life to get you off that straight path, to get you from going the direction God wants you to go in your life. You say, but preacher, what about people around me that, that want me to just sidestep a little bit? Have you ever, have you ever taken a... Uh, 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 and watched a, a laser or anything, or, or for instance, a, a rocket or that, be sh that would be shot off, or maybe even a, a, a gun that is pointed off just a little bit. It may seem like it's just a little bit here, but by the time that it's supposed to be hitting its mark, it can be miles and miles and miles off of mark. That's why big ships, they're continually resetting and resetting and resetting the direction that they're going because those waves and stuff pushes them off a little bit and they have to reset it. If they just continue to let it go, that ship will be miles and miles off from where they was headed. In your life and in my life, things in this life, if it gets us off that straight path of walking for the Lord Jesus Christ, desiring to please Him first of all, first and foremost, before we desire to please anybody else, before we desire to please ourselves, we should desire to please Jesus Christ. And that is walking in that path that He has laid before us, serving Him and living for Him. But when we get knocked off that path by, by things of this world and by people of this world and by whatever it might be that Satan will pull us off a path, it may seem just a little sidestep, but it leads a long ways away from the Lord. And that path gets rough. And that path loses its sweetness. And that path loses its freshness. And that path many times will pull you out of church. And that path will many times pull you out of the Word of God. And that path will many times pull you out of prayer. And that path will many times pull you out of a, a relationship with the Lord. Oh, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But my friend, you've been pulled off that path of walking that straight path for the Lord Jesus Christ. His plan that He has for your life. Walk a straight path. Keep it straight for the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't get your eyes off of the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, and He'll direct you. Don't, don't, hey, listen, don't, don't let the things of this world water down the Word of God. Hey, listen, that'll get you off the path. Hold up the standard and the convictions that God has given you from the Word of God. That'll get you off the path if you don't. Depart from the evil of this world. Stay away from it. It'll get you off the path. Number five. Keep it humble. Keep it humble. One of the greatest enemies in this room. Who are you going to point out, preacher? 
pride. Self. Several years ago when I was a, past, or a youth pastor, we'd have youth conferences. We had, I think it was like 14 youth conferences over the 14 years. That, over a 14-year period there, we had youth conferences. I was a youth pastor for 17 years. For 14 years there, we had youth conferences. And one of the things, we was, when we was down last week and we had that reunion with them and we was going over the different ones and some of them had brought up... Um, a, uh, a scrapbook that had pictures of the youth conferences and some of the f- folders and things and different things, the bulletins and stuff that we had. And I began to try to th- remember all the different co- youth conference themes that we had. And one of them was, uh, I forget the name of it now, but anyway, we, we built a, a brush arbor in the auditorium. The number one mistake we made is that we cut fresh stuff. And boy, when you walked in there, it just burned your eyes. There was uh, all kinds of uh, sassafras and different things in it and all that mixed together. It took a couple days for that to air out a little bit in there, but it, it, by the time conference was ready, it was going. But I had built uh, a thing and put pictures on there of men of the past, the preachers of the past on both sides. There's a board that went up. And pictures, great big pictures. There was great big pictures of uh, D.L. Moody and Spurgeon and Tory and, and Billy Sunday and, and men like that that God had used in great revivals. And their pictures was up there. And the theme that week was trying to get people back on the old paths and really stirring and seeing God use those teenagers and and get them to focus on, on who it is to lead out. We had a skit every night, a serious skit that, that put forth the message. That very last night, uh, the question came, who is going to lead? Who is going to, who's going to take the next step? And I had those on motors, and I turned a control, and both of those turned around like that. And there was mirrors, a huge mirror on each one of them. We took those plate mirrors and put them together in a huge mirror and everybody could see themselves. And we're the ones to live for Jesus Christ. We're the ones. We're the next generation. We're the ones to see that we have revival. We're the ones to see uh, souls saved. We're the ones to be missionaries. We're the ones to be preachers. We're the ones to be a witness and testimony. But also as you look in that mirror, sometimes it reveals that it's our pride is our biggest enemy. Our pride. Because we, won't, we don't want to admit that we're wrong. We don't want to admit that there's some things need to be changed in our lives. We don't want to admit that maybe we've sinned. We don't want to admit that maybe we've done wrong. It's that pride that keeps coming in. Pride that'll lead us astray. In Proverbs 29, 23, it says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. James 4, 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We need, in this walk, we need to have a humble walk. We don't deserve to walk with God. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve eternal life. 
It should humble us to think that God would even, would even save us, let alone that He would meet with us, that He wants to talk with us, that He wants to fellowship with us, that He wants to walk with us. That should be so humbling because we're nothing. We're nothing. And yet so many times we think that we're something. This preacher is nothing. And oh, how God even puts up with me, I don't know. Many times we think, well, I'm not so bad, my friend. You better go look in the mirror. And we should humble ourselves before the Lord. One of man's greatest enemies is his pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, pride keeps us from praying. Pride keeps us from admitting our sin. Pride uh, keeps us from exalting the Lord. Pride keeps us from surrendering to Him. Pride keeps us from serving Him. Pride keeps us from worshiping Him. Pride keeps us from praising Him. I don't know. <laughs> you know, this morning I, I jumped up and down a little bit there, hollered, shy a little bit and run around the auditorium. Do you know that there was a little bit of something inside of me said, You're the preacher. What are you doing that for? And I thought about David. As they brought that Ark of the Covenant. As they brought that and he danced before unto the Lord. Michael, Saul's daughter that had married David, she looked out the window and she despised him because he had taken off his robe and looked like everybody else. And he danced and he leaped and he praised the Lord as they carried that ark to the temple of God, the tabernacle. When he come in and she said, boy, you did a good job today. Boy, you embarrassed us all, basically, is what she's saying. Said, you act like everybody else out there. And he said, I can act more vile and vain if it takes it to worship the Lord. You know, sometimes we're, our pride keeps us off an altar. Sometimes it's our pride that keeps us from saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's our pride that keeps us from admitting that we're wrong. Sometimes it's our pride that keeps us from admitting that we have sin that needs to be taken care of in our lives. It's our pride. My friend, you want a good walk with God? Humble yourself in the sight of God.
How do you do that? I don't know about you. I get real honest with God. And I tell him how bad I am and how good he is. And I take a good look at myself and realize I'm not just saying words that I sure don't deserve his blessings and his love. And it's humbling to think that a the creator of the universe, the creator of this world, the creator of all, would want to talk to me. It's humbling. So to keep that walk with Christ, keep it humble. Number six, keep that walk powered by God. Keep that walk powered by God. Too many of us are living in our own strength and our own power. Doing everything in our power. Doing everything in our strength. Using our wisdom. Using our abilities. And God does not get the glory out of that. We sh- our lives should be powered or empowered, you might say, by the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, verse 35, O God, Thou art terrible out of, out of the, Thy holy places, the God of Israel. It is, it is He that giveth strength and power unto His people. Blessed be God. 1 Corinthians 2, 5, That your faith should not stand in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Preacher, how are we going to do it? I don't know, but God can. Preacher, what are we going to do here? I don't know. We need to see what God wants us to do. I remember over the years, bills or different things that honestly didn't know how I was going to take care of it. And pray about it and say, God, I can't. It's almost like God said, I know you can't, but I can I can. And he wants us to live in his power and in his strength. Not in our power and in our strength. Too many times we try to step over the bounds and take things into our own power and our own strength. And we miserably fail. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And of love and of a sound mind. That walk, has, uh, that, walk that has the power of, of a holy God resting upon that person is the person that walks in the Spirit of God. Seeking the Lord to lead you. Seeking the Lord to guide you. Seeking the Lord to give you direction in the decisions that you make. Asking God before you do something, Lord, is this what you want? Lord, is this in your plan? Is this what you would have me to do? Is this what you would ha- where you would have me to go? Is this what you want me to, t- to say? Galatians 5.16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
that fullness, uh, that surrender to the Spirit of God, allowing the Lord to direct us and to guide our lives in His power and His might. Men like Moody and Spurgeon and Tory and Finney, the Lord used them. But you'll find that their lives were powered by God. Our churches need to be powered by God, not by programs and people. Our churches will be, pro, will be powered by God when we seek to, to allow Him to lead and guide us as individuals. You see, they're talking about renewable energies and all this sort of stuff and, and the different power sources and, and doing away with this and doing away with that. Can I tell you that there is one power source that you can never do away with, and it's a power source that is always available, and that is the Lord Himself. Amen. If we'll live in His power and seek His direction and seek His hand on our hearts and seek His hand in our lives. When Before we take that step, Lord, is this the step you want me to take? Lord, I'm weak. Would you pick me up? Lord, I don't know what to say. Would you give me the words? We just, in the past week, been two funerals. You know, sometimes you don't know what to say to anybody. I mean, there's no, there's no good words except for words that come from God. And I believe that sometimes as people get up and sing at funerals and things of that nature, when they ask the Lord to lead them, God will use that song and power to touch the heart of that loved one that has lost somebody. It may be the preacher. It may be somebody just coming by and shaking their hand, looking them in the eye and saying, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I love you. And God can use that in their hearts and lives because you allowed God to, to use that to speak to them. I think sometimes that we do things so often and so much. And I'll be honest with you, as a preacher, I preach, I preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's easy in one way to just get up and preach a sermon. But I have determined in my life, Lord, I don't want to preach a sermon. I want a message. I want something, God, that you can bless. I've preached enough of those sermons where the power of God wasn't on it where God wasn't speaking to people. And I don't like them. And I ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want? And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I may misread what God wants. I'm just being, you, you can sit there, and I know you don't ever, but I do. But I try because I want the power of God in my walk. And I want God to lead me and guide me and direct me. Time and life is too short to waste that walk on everything else. Number seven, keep that walk motivated. Keep that walk motivated. <laughs> you know, 
every one of us have climbed up the side of a big hill or maybe walked up a mountain. And you get tired. And somebody said, just a little bit farther. Okay. And you go a little bit farther. And you're like, how much farther? Just a little bit farther. I don't know if I want to go. Oh, but the, the sight that you're going to see is so beautiful. Oh, you, it, it, you've never seen anything like it. And it motivates. It motivates you to keep pressing on. There's that motivation to keep you walking for the Lord, to serve God, to magnify the Lord in your life, to walk with Him, to know Him. Keep it motivated. Keep it motivated. See, preacher, I don't know how to motivate myself. You know, Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift of God that's in you. He said, don't wait for somebody else to stir up the gift of God. He said, you motivate yourself. You stir up the gift of God in you. Well, how do you motivate yourself? Well, first of all, Timothy, 2 Timothy, or, or, Timothy, or let me back up. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous. That's motivated. Zealous of good works. 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on my hands. That's what I was talking about when Paul told Timothy that. He said, stir up your heart. How do you motivate it? Motivated by the Savior who died for you. It ought, to, it ought to motivate us to walk with the Lord because Jesus Christ laid down His life that we could have eternal life. We ought to be motivated by the need to see souls saved, to see Christians brought closer to God. That ought to stir our heart. It ought to motivate. Oh, boy. To... Preacher, I, 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 I'm, dreading, I'm dreading that week-long vacation Bible school. Hey, motivate yourself with the fact that there's going to be kids here that need Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they need somebody to love them, and they need somebody to care for them, and you are the only hope to, to get them to Jesus Christ and, and motivate. Oh, preacher, it's going to be so hard. I understand, but motivate yourself to keep going, not for yourself, but for the need of, of souls to be saved and, and, and Christ to be lifted up. Motivated. Motivated to walk for the Lord, to live for the Lord, to serve the Lord, to keep that walk going. Be motivated because there's a judgment. We're going to give an account one of these days. Be motivated by the love of God. How much He loves you. I'll be honest with you. There's some things that I do Maybe at home or whatever. Not because I like to. But because I love my wife. And she loves me. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, there's some things you better think about because you need to, be, you need to love me enough to do them too. Now, there is. Every one of us in here, we do some things for people because we love them, not because we want to. We ought to be motivated in that walk for the Lord by love. And another one that is a real strong one too, we ought to be motivated by hate. Hate? 
Bible says, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. For those who are going to die without Christ, hating the fact that they'll die without Christ, hating sin that's destroying and damaging lives, not hating the person, but hating the sin, wanting to rescue people from the sin of this world, wanting to, to see them snatched from the burning. The Bible says that we're to abstain even from the very appearance of evil, hating it so much, the evil of this world, that we abstain from it, we turn from it, we don't want to look upon it, we don't have anything to do with it. It ought to motivate us to walk with God. Amen. Keep your walk motivated. If you don't, you become tired. You become weary. And you sit down. And you walk no more. You know, I used to run five miles. Almost every day, but at least every other day, when I was in high school. I don't do that anymore. Guess what? I can't do that anymore. Because I quit doing it. You say, well, preacher, do you think that you could do it again? I think that I could build myself back up to it. Well, why don't you do it? That's a different story. But the fact is, is you've heard the old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you quit walking for the Lord, you'll sit down and you'll quit walking for Him. Motivate yourself for that walk. Then lastly, number eight. Keep your walk focused. Keep your walk focused. In Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there's no vision, the people perish. Focus in on what you're walking for. You're walking for the Lord. You're walking to see souls saved. You're walking to magnify the Lord. Keep a focus. The Lord's getting ready to come back. And we need to focus our lives and we need to focus our hearts on our walk with the Lord. Too many times we lose our focus. When we lose our focus and we're no longer focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll lose our walk. Keep your walk focused on the Lord. We might magnify him with our lives and that he might be glorified. Eight things, real simple in what they are, but they'll change your walk. And they'll keep your walk fresh and they'll keep it sweet. And oh, how God will use it in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you be with us now. Help each of us to look at our walk. Help us to focus. Help us to realize the importance of that walk with you. Now, Lord, I pray that every Christian here would look at their lives and say, can I do some more things in my life to make my walk sweeter? Is there things I can do in my life to motivate my walk with the Lord more? Is there things in my life that I can do to, to keep the sin confessed? Lord, is there things that I can do in my life, Lord, to keep my 
my uh, uh, walk fresh. And on goes the list. Lord, maybe tonight they just need to come and say, Lord, I want to start on my knees. And Lord, we realize that part of that walk is going to have to start on our knees when we humble ourselves before you. That you might be magnified, that you might be glorified. Have your will and way in this invitation now, Lord. Help us to walk after you, that you might be glorified. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand with our heads bowed.